for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Cubs Checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. As always, Elise Meneker here, Tony Andraki, and Taylor McGregor on the road with joining us for the pod. Great to see you. Great to have you on. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, you know, making things work in the hotel in Pittsburgh. So <laughs> excited to be on. I love it. Good, good backdrop. We got all sorted out the lighting. We're good to go here. Uh, Tony, always good to see you. And there's a lot to get caught up of is on Taylor, as you always know, uh, roster moves every day, basically. Right. And so that's kind of where we'll start and what's happened this week, specifically on the pitching front. So Adrian Sampson had a really good last outing up in the big leagues, but due to um, the pitching constraints with it going down to 13 pitchers on the roster, he gets sent down. We see Nelson Velasquez come up from Iowa uh, and Caleb Killian also sent down as part of that uh, Velasquez move. So um, do I have that right? Was that the corresponding move or did I mix them? It was Velasquez for, for Samson? Samson and yes. then Killian and lighter. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So we've got lighter to throw in there. So, okay. That's what we have everyone on, right? <laughs> Figure out all these moves. Um, Taylor, just kind of your first impressions when you were there and kind of in the middle of how all these were happening. It's tough. I'm not going to lie. It was hard to see Adrian Sampson get sent down after a really strong performance on Sunday. It's sort of like, that's your reward. You pitch really well, and then you have to be optioned to AAA. But that's the reality that all major league teams have to live in now that there is a 13 pitcher maximum. You need fresh arms. And so the reality with Sampson was because he ate up four and two third innings on Sunday, he was going to be on the shelf for a little bit. And the Cubs couldn't afford to have a hole in their bullpen because they already have one less hole out there in comparison to what they had been working with for the rest of the season. So they needed fresh arms in there. And you saw it play out on Tuesday night when Mark Leiter Jr. had to come in and get some innings for the Cubs after a, a short start for Matt Swarmers. So the move ended up working for the Cubs. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that. They're going to have to send pitchers up and down because they need fresh arms. And that's just the reality of the situation. So it stinks because you have guys who pitch really well. Mark Leiter Jr. pitched really well Tuesday night. We saw Adrian Sampson pitch well over the weekend. And unfortunately, some of it is out of their own control simply because of the 13 pitcher maximum and the need for fresh arms. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like you said, Taylor, Samson was really good on Sunday. I mean, he was hitting 95 and we hadn't seen, we saw him obviously a little bit last year. And then I think he had one inning in an appearance earlier this season, but we hadn't seen 94, 95 from him consistently and wipeout slider. Like it was really impressive, but yeah, that's what it kind of comes down to with the numbers game is, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Guy's going to be down probably until at least Thursday after throwing that many pitches and touching nearly five innings out of the bullpen. And then just the simple fact of like he has options and a lot of people don't, you know, in the bullpen, like Alec Mills doesn't have options. Uh, some of these other guys, you know, like Scott Efros has options, but he's pitching so well and he's tied for the big league lead in, in appearances, like he's not going down. So it was Samson, you know, obviously an unfortunate move, but that's, that's what it is. That's what it had to be. I'm sure we'll see more of him later in the year, but I think the Caleb Killian one, um, definitely not a surprise based off of his performance here, especially the last two starts, he really seemed to lose his command midway through those starts. And, you know, it's, it's obviously a shame for the Cubs and for fans because he's such an exciting person to watch for the future of this team, you know, a legitimate starting pitching prospect, the top 100 
overall in the game. And, you know, we've seen flashes like that first inning in Pittsburgh looked really good. First couple innings against St. Louis looked really good. But, you know, the ability, uh, the inability, I think, to throw strikes consistently has really done him in. And then just the fact that like in the in the minors, I mean, he's not walking guys anywhere near as much. So David Ross told you, Taylor, I know yesterday that it just felt like things sped up on Killian. So, um, you know, definitely not what the Cubs wanted to see. But I'm sure, again, like Samson, we'll see more of him later in the year. And I think sometimes it just comes to patience because what we saw out of Caleb Killian is he's just not ready for the major leagues right now, but he's still going to be a really good pitcher and have a long career ahead of him. Sometimes it just isn't the timing that I think as a fan you hope for, but that doesn't mean one day he's not going to be that, you know, dominant starting pitcher that the Cubs hope he can be. It just takes time. And now he has a little bit of major league experience. He can go down to the minor leagues, work and work on some things without the bright lights of the major leagues. So it's patience. It's hard to accept some time as a fan, but I still think the future is bright for Caleb Killian. Yeah, I agree. And I, I actually think this is going to, the whole process that he's gone through is going to be really beneficial for him in the long run and just kind of having to go through it, just like ball players do, right? Not just the ups and the downs. And I don't mean literally going up and down from the minors to the big leagues, but also the ups and downs that you can face in the league. And I think that he's learning a lot. You know, I feel like in when he spoke after the game the other day, um, just hearing him talk, you you could kind of hear what he's going through. I, I appreciated that he was open about like even trying to figure some stuff out mechanically, um, even just mentally what he's processing during the game. Because if there was one thing that I heard about him down in Iowa, because I, I did not see him throw a game in Iowa before he came up to the big leagues, but I asked about him and it was that um, he is really good at making in-game adjustments. And that's kind of what puts him above the pack. And then you kind of heard in the at the big league level, he was trying to find, well, well what what is the adjustment I want to make here? Which one do I want to go to? Which key is he trying to tell himself? And I, I feel like, like you were saying, Taylor, to go back down to kind of figure that out, to get that experience in the big leagues, um, know that you can be better to go down, figure that out. And I think this whole thing is really just, um, I do think it's going to set him up for success in the big leagues. I think sometimes it's just what you have to go through because um, he knows what he can do and he wants to do that out on the field. So you know that he's itching to figure all of it out. And I think that going through what he did uh, in his few starts up here, it will just help him moving forward. And then slowly, it's almost by the game, you know, um, while it's quick, when you're up here, uh, it slows down, it'll, it'll slow down, it'll just be so much easier, because as he figured things out, it'll, it'll all just kind of work itself out. So that's what I'm looking forward out of him. Obviously, he wanted uh, better outings, gave up five earned runs in uh, his last two starts. But uh, I think he's on his way. And I do think he'll figure things out because that's all you really hear about him. And when you guys were talking about Samson, I just remember what Ross said, that's the best he's seen him. Um, so yeah, unfor unfortunate situation just um, with everything that we were describing. Not unfortunate when it comes to Wilson Contreras and how he's doing in the all-star voting, no doubt uh, the starting catcher for that NLT and Tony, I'll start with you and just kind of your impressions when the voting, the first kind of round of the voting came out and you got to see where he was at among, amongst other Cubs players. He had wisdom getting some votes. Horner, I was surprised. We'll talk about Hap, but I was surprised to see Hap isn't higher uh, in that voting given the way he's playing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I was not surprised at all to see Wilson, uh, you know, atop the, the leaderboard and in votes for NL catchers. I expect, I fully expect him, assuming he's healthy, to start that all-star game for the NL team. Uh, it'll be his third time, you know, there. And, and I, 
I think it's clear, right? Like he's atop the leaderboards in pretty much everything from catcher. And a lot of the fact, a lot of his offensive output has come as a DH, but his primary position still catcher. So he's going to be there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, obviously well-deserved. He has been the Cubs most consistent hitter all year. He's been, you know, probably like the lifeline of the offense all season. So, uh, you know, definitely not a surprise there. And I'm sure that'll just continue regardless of votes or whatever from here. I mean, he has a pretty huge lead right now. I imagine that'll probably just get bigger because there's not really a great option over the next month or so. I mean, honestly, his brother may be like another guy sneaking up. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be really cool. And Wilson said like, that would be awesome to, he hadn't really thought much about that. And I'm sure because William was just called up, you know, a little over a month ago. So that would be very cool. That'd be a nice, another chapter in the, in the Contreras brother uh, story here. But yeah, I mean, to your point, at least Ian had 17th among outfielders that really shocked me. Um, I know he hasn't really been making a ton of headlines with how well he's been and the Cubs with their record, you know, it might be a little tough to get two, three guys in the all-star game. So, but I, I think, I mean, half everything he's done is more than deserving of being above, you know, 17th and outfielders in votes. And especially with the Cubs fans always coming out in, in droves to vote for the all-star game. I was kind of surprised and shocked to see him that low. I would say I was surprised too, but I also look at the ballot and the players ahead of him. And I think some of it is name recognition. I mean, I see Cody Bellinger at nine. Yeah, You're going to tell me that Cody Bellinger is having a better season than Ian Happ. I'm not believing you. You know, you, you go down the list, Mookie Betts, of course, Ronald Acuna Jr., Jock Peterson, Starling Marte, Juan Soto, big name guys, Brandon Nimmo, Harrison Bader. So I'm not too worried about Ian Happ making the all-star game because of the player votes. I think usually the player votes are what get the deserving players in. You have the stars and usually, you know, the fan vote's going to select a starter. And, and I would say Major League Baseball is the one true all-star game that really elects the best players. And notoriously, the, the best players do start. And then because of the player vote, you continually get the best players in because players have a say and they understand the grind. They understand what each player is doing, what Ian Happ is doing amongst National League left fielders. The numbers speak for themselves. So I expect him to be better recognized amongst the player votes. And sometimes when you talk to all-stars, that means more to them to be elected by their peers. So I'm interested to see what happens, but don't count Ian Happ out just because of where he stands in the early part of this fan voting. And then going to Wilson Contreras, I'm going to flip that and say absolutely deserving. Cubs Nation showed up for him. He has been not only one of the best or the best hitter, he's been one of the best hitters in hitters amongst catchers. He's been one of the best hitters, period. And he is wears his emotions on his sleeve. I love that about him. And I cannot wait to see him continually rack up those votes and hopefully start in Los Angeles come the end of July. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you or um, Wilson just has been uh, like you hinted at it. Uh, Tony just offensively. Um, he's the guy that you can look to in the lineup and count on. I mean, it's almost like that one, two punch with morale. You can almost say that about him and the way Contreras even feeds off of him. How they kind of help each other. Um, 
on Tuesday night in the game, they threw up a graphic on half and just how he's performed in the month of June. And he's right up there with Jake Cronenworth and Bryce Harper. When you want to talk about batting averages above 350 and OPS is above a thousand. So that right there, I think tells you um, how strong Ian Happ has been doing as of late. And I even looked at his numbers compared to Jock Peterson, who right now is getting the most votes. And let me tell you, they're not that different. Yeah. Uh, Jock has double the home runs. Um, but when you want to look at someone who's getting you know, the most votes and he's the starter right now in that game, and half is 17th in outfield voting. I think that's kind of what surprised me. Um, but I, I agree with all the points that you guys are making when it comes to the voting and just kind of how this sorts itself out. Um, but I think more than anything, it's just nice to see Contreras with the season that he's having, getting that recognition and um, definitely uh, on his way to deserving that honor. It would be really cool to um, see him with his brother there. I just got to add one thing. I mentioned Cody Bellinger and name recognition. Obviously, he's a former rookie of the year and MVP. So it's understandable that fans are going to see his name on the ballot. He's hitting 207 this year, 271 on base with a 388 slug. You're going to tell me that guy deserves to be in the All-Star game? Well, because then I'll tell you. I looked up Haps numbers. Okay. So 289 batting average, 387 on base, and a 467 slug with seven home runs. So exactly. there you go. So there you go. Fan vote, not always super accurate, especially amongst outfielders, I think, because there's so many of them. But Ian Happ will get what he deserves when the players have a say in it. I think Cubs fans will be happy too, uh, because a couple spots behind Happ at 19 is Christian Yelich, who, to your point, Taylor, I mean, <laughs> a former MVP not having a great season. He really hasn't been good for the past couple of years, but he's behind Happ. So I think. Cubs fans can at least take solace in that no Brewers outfielder is up there. Yeah, and his numbers are, are uh, for sure up there. And hopefully with time, you know, Hap keeps climbing up as well. But um, no doubt when you talk about Wilson and Hap, those are two of the players who have stuck out in the first half of this season. Other things have stuck out as well. So coming up after a commercial break, we're going to touch on uh, not just some injury updates, but some pitching and even other positional talk. Well, that will be coming up next. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. Back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast, presented by Wintrust, Tony Andraki, Taylor McGregor, and guys, uh, we've talked about in our first segment, like the development of pitching specifically Caleb Killian and how that can work for him as he goes up and down. And we've gotten to see it now over a longer stretch for guys like Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele. So Tony, I'll start with you and just kind of what we're seeing out of them, how they're growing, developing, and really becoming staples in this pitching staff. Yeah, really, it's been huge. And, you know, I know it hasn't necessarily matched up with the Cubs record. Like as of this recording, they've lost 13 in the last 15, but really not because of Thompson or Steele, uh, at least in the last couple. I mean, both guys have had career first in that regard. Thompson against the Braves the other day had his first career quality start, you know, lasted six innings, uh, just pitched really, really well and, and went deep into a game for really the first time we've ever seen him in his career. Uh, which I think was a huge learning curve because he did have two kind of rough starts earlier in the losing streak before that. But then Justin Steele, I mean, he back-to-back seven-inning starts in a row. Like, And then against the Braves as well, he battled, fought through, 
ended up, you know, pitching through five innings and getting the win there for the first time since like early April. I, I think both of those were really strong growth moments from the two youngsters, guys that they're showing that they can go deeper into games when the Cubs really, really need it. When, when Killian and Swarmer, you know, 40% of the rotation has not been able to, to pitch, you know, beyond the fifth inning the last few times out. I think it's really a strong indicator for Thompson Steele that they're able to give the innings, they're able to give quality innings and keep the team in the game. Uh, and, and I think that's just huge, you know, and Thompson, the big focus was getting back to the, the fastball, throwing the fastball more, being more aggressive, throwing more strikes. And we saw what he can do. I mean, he, he only throws 94, 95. And I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing, but when there are guys throwing 98 to 100, even starting pitchers, and Thompson's throwing that, but his fastball is just not hittable. Guys are not squaring it up. They're not making solid contact against it. It's just kind of more proof that you don't always need to throw 98 or 100 to get guys out. So he just has, you know, a nice fastball, good cutter, and, and he's able to, to pitch deeper in a game. So I'm really curious to see how he does the next couple of times out. And really, if Justin Steele can also keep this, this kind of momentum that he's built going. I think it's a great point about Keegan Thompson's fastball. And I thought it was really interesting what he had to say about it, where basically he was talking about a couple starts ago, his fastball got hit out of the park and he shied away from throwing it. It made him scared. And the point and the lesson he learned is I can't get scared of what a hitter did to my fastball because then I'm eliminating that pitch from what hitters are sitting on and I'm going to get into more damage. And it was a big growth moment for him understanding of, okay, if this ball gets hit out of the ballpark, I'm going to go right back to it so that the hitters can't adjust and, and come off that pitch because I'm not throwing it anymore. And I think Justin Steele's the same way, figuring out how to attack big league lineups. The second, the third time through the order, when you've already shown them once what you're going to do, how you're going to attack and be able to adjust the second and third time through. And that's what I've been really impressed with Justin Steele with these longer starts is the way he's gone a second and third time through the order. And the damage hasn't been there like we saw earlier on in the season. So I think they're just learning how to attack big league lineups. They're providing the depth that the Cubs starting pitching really needs right now. And it's been good to see. Yeah. And I think too, what stuck out to me after Thompson's last start, what David Ross said is he took that bullpen mentality as a starter. And we've always described Thompson too, as having like that bulldog mentality. And I was like, wait, wait that was bullpen because it's true that yeah. he's been so solid out of the bullpen that you want to see that transfer as a starter. And you believe it can, because he has the stuff, he has the skills. Um, and so there was, I, I feel like something about him, like there was a confidence a focus. Um, he just really locked in because you could tell that as Thompson, like figures things out, kind of like you were saying, Taylor goes through his starts and thinks like, wait, I, I can do this. I can be better. That can be fixed. Um, he kind of like, uh, takes us through that with him after each outing and, um, because he's so dominant out of the bullpen, you just wanted to see him be able to go through the lineup a few times. And, and it was really promising to see uh, his last outing and, and really uh, what we think his potential is and kind of like maximizing that and bringing that out on the field. And with Justin Steele, I think what impresses me is, I mean, he can be a really good lefty starter. He's proving that. And after, I think it was now two starts ago, 
where the, the ball hits his hand. He had been dealing with a blister, but then he, he feels like the, the ground ball hits off of his pitching hand and just kind of caused something else on one of his fingers and pitches through that. And I, I, to me, like that is an expectation for players that to, to play through things when uh, it's not going to damage you any further. And I don't know. I just really thought that was um, really impressive to see like a young pitcher playing through that, continuing to pitch well, goes out in his next start um, and just kind of, is able to have another good outing and to just pick up where he left off. So I think for me to see these young players, like you guys were talking about uh, growing, learning, and then also just executing because you can do that and sometimes not get the results. But when you need the arms and you need and want this young talent to do well, to see them stepping up um, and stepping into situations, uh, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to see guys like them and what they can bring. Um, there's also some progress on the injury front and Taylor, I'll go to you for this because you're kind of getting the latest out there and specifically with Stroman smiley. And, um, I think the extent of what we know where Suzuki is at, given that he went out to Arizona. Yeah. So beginning with Suzuki, they just wanted to get him down in Arizona. They feel like there's more resources there for him to rehab, hit off the tee, get in the cage and not be confined to some of the visiting clubhouses where there's limited resources. So he's down there still progressing, Stroman is scheduled to throw a bullpen on Wednesday. We will get the results of that after, see how he's feeling. They want to see how his body responds the following day and then make more decisions based upon that. Drew Smiley threw a 33-pitch bullpen on Tuesday. David Ross said he's actually progressing faster than they had originally anticipated. There's no timeline for his return yet, but positive steps for him. Yeah, I yeah. think that all sounds good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was really surprised, to be honest, on the smiley aspect, because um, I know that he threw long toss I, during the past homestand, but I wasn't necessarily expecting like a 33 pitch bullpen. So, yeah, Taylor, when you when Ross said that in the interview, I was a little surprised. Uh, and but obviously positive development and the Cubs could certainly use him and Stroman back soon. Now, you know, they still are probably especially smiley, probably a couple weeks away. You know, I imagine he's going to go on a rehab assignment because it's been almost a month that he's been out now and Stroman, you know, has been dealing with the shoulder thing for a while. So they're definitely going to be cautious with these guys. Um, but yeah, you know, positive developments for sure. I, I, I didn't really know when Smiley was going to be back because he didn't know. He talked about it after that oblique injury that he's had this before, but he wasn't really sure. I mean, they were just going to have a, have him rest for uh, several weeks or whatever it was until it calmed down before he even got to throw. So, you know, I think that's good. And then the fact that, Suzuki's out there tracking pitching maybe we'll go on a rehab assignment if he needs to after Arizona but that's obviously really positive too because it's been almost a month now since he has been out as well and um, the Cubs getting him back in the lineup and, and his patient approach and I think just for fans to be able to see him and what he can do because he's a big part of the future uh, so I, I definitely all positive developments on this team and as we talk about the rotation like imagine what Stroman and Smiley could do to help this rotation and the trickle-down effects of the bullpen and the rest of the roster and games right now, I think would be massive. So eagerly awaiting to see those guys come back. And just yeah. set the tone real yeah, quick. Sure. You know, we always talk about starting pitchers, setting the tone. And when you have a pitcher go out there and he's only going to win a third, giving up four or five runs before you really feel like the game's even started, it can be defeating and it's frustrating and it can lead to 
unfortunate results like we've seen with the Cubs the past week and a half. So I think getting them back there, we know what they can do as far as providing depth, the way they can attack hitters, but just setting that tone of we're in this ball game and I'm going to give a chance to win will be important. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because when you guys were talking, I was thinking about like uh, the the confidence. I don't even know if that's the right word. I like what you're saying, like setting the tone, um, but also just like um, feeling like you're you're full steam ahead with all your arms, with that, with all the pieces. Um, and I think guys are doing a good job now of, of trying to you know do what they can, right? Like that's the only option you have. But I just feel like there's something to when you have like the pieces that you want in the spots that you want. Um, just feeling like you're at full strength. There's always something that can be said about that. So um, no doubt that um, you want a tone, uh, someone who can set the tone, a tone setter, and um, just someone to, you know, give the the team the chance to win, especially when the offense right now is struggling to, to find runs. And so that can be the challenge. And um, you have someone out there, we've talked about Contreras, we've talked about Hap, you also have someone out there like Horner, um, who just kind of goes about his business. And you want to talk about injuries, that's a guy who's faced injuries in his career for sure. We saw that last year and this year. Um, yeah, he had some kind of like, you know, fluke freak things happen. But other than that, he's been out there improving what he can do. And Tony, it's been really nice um, to see because he impresses, right? There were questions about his health, questions about his arm. He's answering all of those. Yeah, right. I mean, he looks like the long-term answer at shortstop, which was, is a question answered coming into the year. I don't think anybody knew the answer to that, including in the Cubs building. You know, I don't know that Jed Hoyer's front office, that there were many people that were sold on saying that Nico Horner is our shortstop of the future because of health. You know, he hasn't proven he can stay healthy in his big league career so far, but also they just didn't know. They hadn't seen him a ton at shortstop. Well, he's the best defensive shortstop in baseball right now. He leads major league baseball and outs above average at the position. He's sixth in the league at any position and outs above average. So his defense has, has simply been exceptional. And, you know, it certainly answers a question that he can be that guy we already know that he's a gold glove contender at second base and he can play other positions, but it, it answers the questions if the, if the Cubs need to, you know, that's not to say that they shouldn't be targeting like, you know, Carlos Correa or Andrew Bogart or some of these other guys who may be free agents in the future, but it gives you an option. It gives you depth and it gives you, you know, if the Cubs are not able to sign or trade for any of those other guys, Nico's their shortstop and he can play elite defense at a premium position on the field. So I, I think it just, it answers a main question for the Cubs moving forward about where Nico can play and whether he can handle it or not. And, and I think that's just so huge for the future of this franchise. I think what you're saying is, is so spot on with he's a viable option and also an important piece to a good lineup. Mm -hmm. um, he's going to play elite defense and he has a high batting average he gets on base so when you combine that with slug that's where the championship lineups come from a little bit of all of that and so he is an important piece and I think he's going to be an important piece as the front office looks to build the next great Cubs team I've enjoyed talking to Nico Horner about how much he values playing every day and he feels like it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to be given this opportunity to play every day at shortstop for the Chicago Cubs and it is a challenge playing in the major leagues is hard playing every day in the major leagues is really hard and he's learning that he's finding out the grind of a season 
how to go about routine, how to adjust to things on the fly. You know, we talk so much about little nagging injuries. Well, we don't hear about probably 90% of those nagging injuries because most guys will tell you after spring training, you're never a hundred percent. So it's dealing with your body during the long parts of this season. And I think he's done such a great job this year. And it's been fun to watch how much joy he gets from being an everyday player. Yeah, I think too, like to your point, you forget um, how many, I think the word that just comes to mind to describe it, how many disjointed seasons, if you will, um, Hordner has had, whether it's just been from the time he's been called up to injuries to the pandemic, a shortened season in there, uh, all of that. And so um, I, you just get the sense that, that he was looking forward to this opportunity because last year he had these injuries and, and wanted to show that. And uh, this year getting that chance and, and not, I, I think he's like, yeah, this is who I am. This is who I was, I've always been. And I'm, you know, excited to, to show that um, he, there's this always calm demeanor about him. He never gets too high or too low. Um, he has this quiet confidence about him as well. And just goes about his business and works hard. And uh, he, that's kind of even how he, he goes through the season, right? Playing really well. And you see guys like Contreras and Happ and Horner's there holding down shortstop and just being a really consistent player, which I think in the big leagues, when you can be consistent, that's one of the best words that can describe someone. Cause that's the hardest thing to do in this game. So, um, yeah, I think that it's really, it's really nice to see you in uh, New York, ask Jed Hoyer about him, just his thoughts, given the way he'd been playing. And I think um, he said, you know, for a guy where you were um, wondering, you know, could his arm uh, be the arm that you needed short? He said, absolutely. No question. Has he proven that that's uh, he's got a, a good arm for short. And I think um, that that's like a, a point that Nico was like, yeah, you know, I want to show that this year. And I, I had that and uh, goes out and does his business. So I think that's always the fun part in this game when you kind of get to see players thrive um, and, and put in the hard work and it pays off. So um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. I think that covers it all. Um, so that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs weekly podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple podcasts and check us out in video form on the marquee sports network app and youtube for taylor mcgregor and tony and draggy thank you guys so much we'll see everyone next week